we've been talking about the mental aspect of being human. We know that um, the makeup of a human being, we've talked about this in the earlier weeks, is primarily spirit. That's the part of us that is eternal and like God. And then physical, our body, our shell that is dying, uh, but is one day going to die. Our spirit will leave and be with God. And then our mind, the mind part. So spirit, soul, mind, our our spirit, body, mind. Um, And we're talking about that mental aspect of who we are as human beings because it plays such a crucial role in how we actually act and live in this in this world whatever's going on upstairs is controlling your life whatever whatever is happening up here is controlling your life and we talked about how the spirit affects what's going on up here and we talked about how what you receive through your your body and your physical senses affects what's going here what you hear uh, what you see what you listen to how it affects your your mental uh, health and so we're going to continue focusing on that one of the examples I gave in previous weeks was how your your mind is sort of the gatekeeper, um, and and we're told in the scripture to guard our heart above all else, and to fight for it, guard it, protect it. I don't know that many of us are doing this, especially with social media and Netflix and all of these and and news media and all these sources that are out there could just be a constant stream of information. I don't know that many of us are even checking you know, what's coming into our minds because it absolutely is affecting us and, it, and it's affecting our children more than anyone else. But even adults, it is affecting. It's called mind renewal. See, what a lot of people don't understand is that the church, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, they have the same tools to work with. It's not like Satan has some totally different set of tools to affect people. He uses mind renewal the same way that the scripture teaches Christians to use mind renewal. So it was very strategic. For example, back in the 60s or whatever it was, I I lose track of it way before my time. But when there was a TV put in every home, and at first what was coming across that TV was very uh, probably innocent and docile for the most part. But now every single home from TV, and then, you, and then you go internet, and then you go iPhone. There's just all these portals into our life that are constant streams of mind renewal information that's coming into our lives. And if you're not careful, before you know it, you start to look, act, think, and talk just like the spirit of this world. Now, I'm not against any of those things. I'm not, you know, we're not up here saying, oh, you got to take the TV out of your head. No, no, you can, you can have all of that. But you got to understand this. You got to understand it's a medium that Satan uses to indoctrinate and to cause mind renewal. So what I talked about a few weeks ago was how we are supposed to have a barrier and a, and a filter that actually checks every, every thought that, and every bit of information that tries to make its way and settle into our minds. Uh, you know, I... I, I uh, I, I don't fly as much as I used to, but I was on a trip recently. And if you've ever if you've ever flown, uh, you know the process of getting into the airport, of going through security. And it doesn't matter how many times you've flown. It doesn't matter that you've never committed a crime. It doesn't matter that you've never caused the first problem. Every time you go, even if they start to recognize you by name, you know, hey, Mr. McElwee, welcome, welcome back. It doesn't matter. They're going to check you. They want to check your ID. They're going to check your ticket. 
They're going to check your bags. They're going to check your shoes. You got to pull your shoes off. Now I wear a special belt so that it don't get me when I go through the metal detector. They're going to check everything. No one's getting in there unchecked. And I, and I use the example of the, the southern border as an example, too. It should be, same process. It's not. should be, same process at the southern border. No one should be getting into our country, you know, unchecked. Why? Because you, you don't trust anyone. Everyone has to be inspected. Everyone has to go through the same, the same protocols. Uh, so same idea. But many of us are just letting thoughts in, and especially young people. Look, you hand them a cell phone, you just handed them an indoctrination mind renewal device. And they can bypass you completely now. They don't even have to ask you what your thoughts are. They can just Google it. And they can find every opinion, every perverse opinion, every wrong opinion, every deceiving lie. They can find it right out there. And what does that do? That's changing them up here. And I don't think as parents and as adults we take this serious enough. I think that it is changing our young people. It is changing a, a whole generation. But even talking about ourselves, this should be a top priority to examine every thought that comes into our mind. Now, we're going to move on from there because we spent the first three weeks on that. So I can't, I, I just, it's so important that I almost want to rehash it every week, but we got to move on at some point. So all I can tell you is if, if you need more on that, go back and listen to the first three weeks. We covered it pretty thoroughly. What I want to get into this week, though, is what specific types of mindsets and thoughts do, uh, are, are the most prominent as far as needing mind renewal? All right, so if, if, you're a, if you're a Christian and you understand that the mind is the battlefield, what's going to be that first battle that, that has to be won? And what's going to be an, the area that is attacked continually over and over again throughout your lifetime. It's going to be an area that gets attacked over and over again. And this is the area of identity. In other words, who are you? Okay, this is the area that's going to be attacked over and over again is your identity. And the, and the world, I will say the world, Satan, however you want to say it, wants to put an identity on you different from what the reality of your identity is. And, and I'll look, just spoiler your identity is as a child of God. That's, that's the first identity that we have. It's the first and most important identity. If you're a son or a daughter of the creator of the universe, how many of you know that changes everything? Amen. Amen. Okay, it, it, so what I want us to do this morning is start to look at some typical ways that our identity gets challenged in this world. Uh, we're not going to spend a bunch of time on these but I want you to sort of reframe some of the common things you've heard throughout your life and realize what's really going on behind it. What's really going on behind it is it's an attack on your identity. So let's take, for example, evolution. Evolution is at all the, the theory of evolution. All it really is is an attack on your identity. First of all, it's an attack on the identity of God. But he's pretty secure in his identity. He's pretty secure in who he is. It's an attack first on the creator, but secondly, it's an attack on you because you're either a child of God created in the image of God, or you're like a single cell amoeba that climbed up out of the goo, you know, and just a glob of cells with no meaning, no purpose, uh, and no difference from any of these other little things 
in nature. Ev all evolution is is an attack on your identity. And the more our young people get this in our mind, uh, this, is, this one is, you know, this is pretty much just got its claws in our culture. So it's not even like a big topic at this point because it's just so most, many people have accepted it hook, line, and sinker. But how many of you know evolution is opposite of what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches that there is a creator who created man, not through a process described by evolution, that he created him in an instant through, uh, he created this world by speaking it into existence. The Bible is very clear on, on that. Well, if we believe in a creator and we believe that we were the, the crown of creation, created in the image of God, created in the likeness of God, created to rule and reign over this planet as sons and daughters of God, that's our identity. But evolution says, you don't matter. Evolution says, you're a complete accident. You have no real purpose here. And when you die, you're just going to go back into the earth and that's it. It's over. They're just going to put you in a casket and the worms are going to eat you. And that's it. You have no purpose. Can you imagine anything more demoralizing? Can you imagine anything that would change your behavior more than that idea? Because if nothing matters, if, it was, if, it's all gonna, if we're all going to just go back into the ground and die, why do anything right? Why live right? Why, why, do, why have any motivation at all if nothing matters? So evolution is first and foremost an attack on our identity. It's, it says you don't matter and this is all an accident. Why would Satan be so interested in that? Because when you live according to your identity, when, when you live according to this idea that I am a son of the almighty God, I'm a daughter of the almighty God, that changes every decision that you make on a daily basis. It changes the way that you live, the way you talk, the way you function, the way that you act. And I can't imagine anything that would corrupt that more than, for example, the theory of evolution. So it's an attack on your identity. It says you're not a son of God created in the image of God, but you have no purpose. You came out of the goo and you're just a blob of cells. If you really start to pay attention to so many of the biggest battles of our day, they are all over identity. Now, now the word is even being used. Well, I identify as X, Y, or Z. It's all a battle of, of identity. Homosexuality, we've talked about that. See, homosexuality could be something that people just do or participate in, but that's not how it's been framed. It's framed as this is who you are. I identify as this. And if, you, and if you challenge something that I do, now you're challenging who I am. It wasn't presented like so many other things. Uh, and maybe it was in the beginning, but now it's certainly not. It wasn't presented as something that you do, and it could be challenged as right or wrong, like so many things in your life, right? Well, I do it this way, you do it that way. No, it's not that. This is who you are. And then we say, you were born this way. You see, this is part of your identity. It's not a choice. See, that's way different than how we talk about most behaviors and most actions in our life. You know, if someone is doing some other thing that's a sin, according to Scripture, you know, adultery, okay, uh, living together before marriage, uh, some, you know, all these addictions that people get into. No one tries to frame it as, this is who you are. You were born this way. You go, no, this is a destructive behavior and you need to, you know, you need to get rid of it. 
but not this. This was this is framed as this is part of who you are, and you don't even need to question it. Actually, to even question it in the first place is wrong. You need to accept it as part of your identity. This is who you are, and you cannot change it. See, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not who you are. Who you are is a child created in the image of God. A child created in the image of God that is supposed to align your life with his character and his word and not have the world that rejects God tell you who you are. I don't need a, a, a someone who doesn't even know the creator telling me who I am. No, I want his word telling me who I am. And now it almost seems as if we've skipped over that one and we've moved to the transgenderism type thing. And the same thing. It's the same idea. I identify as this gender. I identify as male. See, it's all about the identity. The whole message is to say, this is your identity. You're not a child of God created in the image of God. You're, you're not submitted to a creator that created you perfect as you are. You're not submitted to a, a creator that knew what he was doing when he created you and made you and knows the number of every hair on your head and has a plan and a destiny for your life and knew you before you were ever even in your mother's womb and all the days of your life were written out in a book. No, that's not your identity. This is your identity. You're confused. You were born in the wrong body. What is it? It's all lies to change a person's identity, to get them to think in the frame and in the context of a new identity. So as believers, if we are going to renew our minds, we first have to begin to recognize all of the strategies of the enemy and the lies that come in to try to attack our identity of who we are. Look, think about all the racism, all the racial stuff that's going on. Exact same thing. You are black. I am white. It's all about identity. This is who I am. Again, no, we can't just be children of God <laughs> that love each other. Yellow, red, black, and white. We are all precious in his sight. Oh, no, we've got to, well, I think this way. I, this is my tribe. This is your tribe. That is ungodly. That is ungodly. That, you know, man gave us that. Man said that, oh, I identify with this group or this. Look, I identify as a child of God. And that's our highest identity. The, the, but see, but the world is always pushing this. If the, they'll push it through race. They'll push it through gender. They'll push it through sexuality. They want you to get into a mode where you are identifying more with this subset than you are with your true identity, which is a child of God. And so then what do you have? You have all the bickering, all the fighting, all the, all the division, we, as the body of Christ, we have to, we have, to have this as supreme and, and foremost. We are children of God, period. Sons of God. Daughters of God. Yeah, there's all these little differences. Praise God. He made, them that, he made us that way. But first and foremost, we're children of God. And there's no other thing that I identify with more than that. Even the political part of it. Well, I'm Democrat. I'm Republican. Well, I'm independent. Okay, um, but you, did you know that's, the, that's a very, very small part of my identity? The, small, the biggest part of my identity is I'm a child of God that believes the Bible. And if, the, and, if, and if a Republican 
if the Republican Party is aligning themselves more with the Bible, I'm going that way. And if some other party ever started aligning their political views more with the Bible, I'd be going that way. Because I, I don't care about a political party. I care about the Word of God. And I don't go, well, you know, the, this, this group this voting this way, this group is voting this way. Yeah, there's always going to be one group that seems to be aligning themselves more with the Bible. doesn't mean that it's perfect. And, and, and whichever group's going that way, that's where I'm going. Because my identity and my allegiance is not to a political party. It's not to a race. It's not to any of that. It's to God and his word. And that, that's really the only thing that matters for me. So this, uh, these, all these attacks on your identity, they're always trying to get you, Satan is always trying to get you to identify with something else more than who you are in Christ. Well, what about wealth and status? Same thing. Well, I'm wealthy. I'm upper class. Well, I'm, I'm poor, you know, and, and I'm, all, I'm oppressed. I'm always pushed down. It's always wanting to get you to identify with something other than your true identity, which is your identity in Christ. It's all, you'll see it constantly being pushed in every area. But it's all about getting you all focused from what your true calling and your true purpose is here. Because if you get distracted on any of that other stuff, and you start identifying more with any of that other stuff than you do with your true calling as a son or daughter of God, you're going to miss your point here on this earth. And you're going to get wrapped up and tied up. You're going to get on this treadmill where you're just wasting time instead of really doing what God put you here on this planet for. Let's look at the book of Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to show you what we are talking about from the word this morning. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. He brought them into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded... I'm not even going to try to pronounce that guy's name. Okay, Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace. Now let's pause right there. Uh, Babylon... You know, Israel was wicked. God allowed Babylon to come and basically sack the city. And they took a bunch of the young people, sort of the cream of the crop, and they brought them back to Babylon. These were, these were young kids that had a lot of potential. They were smart. They were educated. They were skillful, it says. Good appearance, so they were good looking, healthy, smart. Now notice, look at, let's look again at verse 4. Youths that were without blemish, of good appearance, skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, and learning. Now, this is what they already had. This is what they had when they came into Babylon. In other words, they had been indoctrinated, taught, their mind had been renewed in a certain direction. And then the direction was under Jewish law, culture, God's word. They came in with this. But look at what the first thing the king of Babylon wants to do. He says, they're coming in with understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace. 
and to teach them the literature and language of, not Israel, of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans were a subsect of the Babylonians. They were looked at as the, the wise, the philosophers, all of that. So first thing we're going to do is we're going to bring in all of these teenagers and we're going to begin the mind renewal process. We're going to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Why? Why is this so? Why would this be the first thing that, that you need to do? Well, before you can, before you can curb, uh, before you can transform someone's actions, you have to first transform their mind. You can't control someone until you first control their mind. Now, Babylon had a lot of power, and there was probably other ways they could have done this, right? But, they pro but if you study it and you look at the history, they had found all of these great empires. They had found that sheer force is not the best way to get people to comply. You know, through threat and power and beatings, that's not how you really get people to comply. You will get a measure of compliance that way, but there's a better way. It's called mind renewal. To get them in and completely replace all of the information that was in their mind and get in new information. Now, let's pause for a second because we're talking about how Satan uses this process. But listen, this, remember, this is God's process. All we're reading about right now in the book of Daniel is a counterfeit. A counterfeit, and this is all Satan knows how to do, is to take God's processes and counterfeit them for his own purposes. But if a, if a person will come out of the kingdom of darkness and they come in with all this junk, their mind has been destroyed through years of wrong thinking, dysfunction. They've, had, they have, they've abused their body. They've abused others. They've got all this function. If they will come in here and they will sit and they will renew their mind with the word of God, this will transform their life. Satan knows that, which is why he's doing this right here. He, the first thing he does is he brings them in. The king of Babylon says, that we're going to teach them the literature, the language, the ways of the Chaldeans. Why? Because you will always go in the direction of your strongest beliefs. Please, if, if you don't get anything else out of this sermon, write this down. You will always go in the direction of your strongest beliefs. And, and you were hardwired this way. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we all have beliefs that we mentally agree with, but that doesn't mean it's your strongest belief. You will always go in the direction of your strongest belief. See, you, you might say, well, I believe every Christian ought to go to church. That doesn't mean you go to church. You, you mentally agree with that. You might say, well, I believe every Christian ought to read their Bible. That doesn't mean you read your Bible. Why? Because you don't go in the direction of, of a, a weak, just a mental assented to a belief, belief. No, you go in the direction of your strongest, your truest belief. If you don't read your Bible and pray, even though you believe that you're supposed to, it's because you have another belief that is competing with that that you're not aware of. We will always go in the direction of our strongest beliefs. And that can be complicated. But Satan knows that. God knows that. That's why this is the primary tool that he uses. Have you ever wondered why churches do what they do? I mean, from the, from the time the church was founded, thousands of years, 
thousands of years, we get together and do the same thing over the century. It really doesn't change. I mean, the look of it changes, the sound of it changes, the approach, the methods, all of that. But it's pretty simple what we do. We get together, we sing, and we preach. Thousands of years. We worship, and we preach. Why? Because God knows how powerful this process is of mind renewal, which is what? Basically just aligning your thoughts with His. The more out of alignment your thoughts are with God's thoughts, the more destruction you're going to experience in your life. The more in line that your mind is with God's Word, the more prosperous, the more blessed that you're going to be. And, and uh, we, we see that in the book of Daniel. And he says, when you, when you read this, when you obey this, when you follow this, he said, then, then you, you'll make your way prosperous. So the first thing the Babylonian king does is he begins this process in their life. Our behaviors flow from our identity. In other words, how we see ourselves and what we believe about ourselves, our, our behaviors flow from that. If you see yourself as poor, beat down, oppressed, trust me, your behaviors are going to flow from that. If you see yourself as handsome, wealthy, your behaviors are going to flow from that. If you see yourself as a child of God, your behaviors are going to flow with it. This is a hardwiring thing, okay? God hardwired us this way that our behaviors and, and our beliefs cannot contradict, okay? Now, just stay with me for a moment on this, okay? God hardwired us as human beings. You cannot have beliefs and behaviors that, that conflict. There's a, it's, there's a psychological term for it called cognitive dissonance, which is basically when you believe one thing, but you're acting another way. And if those two things are out of alignment, something has to give. You cannot continue acting one way and, and your beliefs are a completely different way. One of the two things will be reconciled to each other. Either you will change your belief, you will change your, your beliefs to match your behavior, or you will change your behavior to match your beliefs. You cannot just live in the, this, this constant. In other words, if you see yourself as a Christian, and I'm a child of God, I follow the word of God, you can't just go out and live in sin and be at peace. You, you will not be at peace. You will have this term, cognitive dissonance. You will have it in your, you know there's a contradiction between what I believe and how I'm acting. And over time, that will destroy you. So what we, God hard, hardwired us to where one of the two things have to change. If you see a Christian who's doing that, just watch their life for a few years. They will not last. They will not last. Either they will repent of their behavior and align their behavior towards their beliefs, or eventually they will change their beliefs. And they'll walk away from God completely because you cannot remain in that state. This is why our beliefs become so important. They are tied to our identity. Please get what I'm, what I'm saying. The reason why Satan works so hard on this mind renewal when it comes to identity is because it's the only way to change your behavior for, for what he wants you to live like. And same thing for God. God wants you to identify the correct way so that you live according to his design. Daniel 1 verse 5. It says, The king assigned to them a daily portion of the food that the king ate. They're doing everything like the Babylonians now. 
Not only are we teaching them, but we're, we're getting you to eat like us, think like us, drink like us. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated. Look at this. Three years. Three years of mind renewal before they would ever do anything for the king. It was a three-year day, daily process to renew their mind. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were, these are their Hebrew names, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief, the chief of the eunuchs, pay attention, this is very important. The chief of the eunuchs gave them new names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. These are the names you're more probably familiar with, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But these are their Babylonian names. Why did the Babylonians think that it was important to change their names? Because they're trying to change their identity. The old you, I want the old you gone. I want the old you scrubbed. I want the old you disappeared. I need, to, I need to get you thinking completely different. And every time you say the name Daniel, which means in Hebrew, God is my judge. Yahweh is my judge. I don't want you saying that anymore. I don't want every time somebody calls you by the name of Daniel shouting out, God is my judge. I don't want you thinking like that. So we change your name to Belshazzar, which means favored by Baal. Favored by the false god. Bill. Hananiah means beloved of the Lord. So his name was chained to Shadrach, which means illuminated by rock. It was the sun god. Mishael means who is like God. These are names they were given at birth by their Hebrew parents. His name was changed to Meshach, which means who is like Shaq, Babylonian version of Venus. Azariah. The Lord is my help. His name was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nego, who is the Babylonian god of fire. This is very intentional. Their names are changed, and names are important in the Bible. Sometimes God would change people's names. You know, he changed Abram to Abraham. You know, Paul in the Bible, his name was Saul at first, and he took on the name Paul. Sometimes names were changed in the Bible because when you, every time you say a name, you're speaking an identity over that person. My name, Joshua, means God is salvation. Every time someone says my name, they're declaring God is my salvation. Names are very important. And so the first thing he does is change their name because they're trying to change their identity. This is the same thing the world does. Again, we've already hashed through this. But the world wants you to see yourself according to one of these false identities. You identify with this group, this race, this gender, this, that. You identify, all, here's your new name. No, you're not just a child of God. You're, you're this, and you see yourself this way. And anyone who isn't like you, you're against, and you're going to fight, and you're going to be divisive with because they're in this group, and you're in this group. Well, if you're a Christian, we're all part of the same group. No need to argue about those things. Those may be very, very small subsets of who we are, but first and foremost, we are children of God. And that's how we identify. But you will have to fight this. 
This is the process of mind renewal. And this is the process of having that barrier around your mind. When one of these thoughts come in, you take it captive and you go, wait a minute, that, that's a lie. That's false. That's a lie. That's not how I identify. I identify as a child of God. Parents, if you have children, they need to be taught this. They need to be taught this. They need to understand how to identify lies and deception and indoctrination that are coming into their life. And they have to be able to combat it with the truth of God's word. Now, let's talk specifically about how to combat and fight this issue of identity. Okay, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and then I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures from the Bible that talk about what our true identity is. Now, when I say mind renewal, you may have different thoughts um, because really, like I said, what we're experiencing here is mind renewal. We're all sitting in uh, church this morning, hearing the word of God. Our minds are being renewed. But mind renewal is really something that needs to take place on a daily basis. And that's why we're encouraged to read the Bible every day. Every time you read the Bible, you're participating in mind renewal. But there's a more targeted approach than that, too. And that is getting specific scriptures on an area that you're struggling with and meditating on those scriptures for that area. Okay, this is a, this is a little more of a discipline. This is a little more of a targeted approach. You know, I grew up in a church where we were giving out these little postcards and they had, uh, on one side, they had the love chapter out of 1 Corinthians 13. And you could read that every day. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, is long-suffering. Long does not hold record of, of, a, of a wrong done to it. You know, you could read those. And what's happening? Well, every day you read that, it's like taking medicine. Your mind is renewed every day on that subject. It's a lot easier to walk in love when you're meditating every day on the love chapter. And so what I'm going to give you this morning are a bunch of scriptures on identity and how to renew your mind in this area because how you see yourself is crucial. There's going to be a lot of times that you're going to need to remind yourself who you are. When you are tempted to sin and you're tempted to go down a wrong path or back into an old destructive behavior, trust me, that's coming from your identity of how you see yourself. And what we're going to need to do is remind ourselves, wait a minute, that's not who I am. Listen, if you, if you, were, if you came out of some kind of bondage, all right, Maybe you made some really bad choices in your life and you messed a lot of stuff up. Maybe you have broken marriages, broken relationships behind you because of your choices and your sin or your addiction. Satan wants you to see yourself that way for the rest of your life. And he will tell you, he will whisper to you over and over and over again, that's who you are. You, you can't, what do you think you're doing? You can't be this, this person. You're just an old sinner. You're an addict. You, this is what you, look at what you've destroyed. Look at what you've messed up. That's Satan just whispering in your ear because he wants to keep you in that identity. But the gospel will create a new identity. And it will say, that is who you were and that is who you are without God. But with God, you are valuable. You are precious. You are blood-bought. You are healed. You are restored. You are free. This is, this is your new identity, but Satan will constantly try to keep you in the old identity. Look at what you did. It's condemnation. The Bible even calls him, he says he's the accuser of the brethren. He lives night and day to accuse you and condemn you. And if he keeps you in that place, you'll never rise above it. You have to start to see yourself how God sees you and how the word of God sees you. 
That's why sometimes you hear Christians say this phrase like this. They say, this is the word of God. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. That may for you be a faith statement at first. You may not really believe that. But you say it anyway. You say, this is the word of God. I believe that I am who it says I am. If I feel this way, it doesn't matter. The word supersedes that. The word of God is more powerful than my feelings. The word of God says I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm a child of God. See, this is mind renewal. Okay? So 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, in this bodily, you know, fleshly world, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. How many know there are some arguments and lofty opinions that are being raised against the knowledge of God today? It's, it's all around us. Lofty opinions, arguments, ideas raised against the knowledge of God or the truth of God. So he says, therefore, we will take every thought captive to obey Christ. What does that mean? That means when an idea comes into my mind, the first thing I do is take it captive. And I go, does this thought align with the word of God? And if it does not, it gets the boot. That thought doesn't stay here because that's the whole point of taking it captive is to examine it. Now, some thoughts are tricky. This is where deception comes in. Some thoughts, ideas that come in, they're tricky. And this is why you're constantly having to update your knowledge base of the Word of God because you can't properly examine whether a thought is good or not or is to be rejected or not unless you know the Word. So the more you update your knowledge base of the Word of God, the easier you can look at that thought and it doesn't take long to take it captive because some just get turned away instantly. Nope, that ain't of God. Nope, don't even need to look at you. <laughs> that ain't from God. Not even listening, not even thinking about that. But some people let a lot of thoughts hang around that should have been kicked out in the first place. And those thoughts will come in and they'll start to work. And they'll start to whisper. And they'll start to change. I don't want to... But, but look, if you have children, you have to be vigilant about this because there are thoughts in their mind right now. Every one of us, I promise you, there are thoughts in your child's mind right now that has gotten past that gate. And without somebody helping them navigate that, that, that thought will take root in their mind and it'll change who they are. This is why you got to constantly have conversations with your children to find out what's going on up here. What'd you hear at school today? What'd you learn at school? What you been thinking about? You know, it's a, it's a battle sometimes. Sometimes you lay in bed with your kids and you're like, what's going on? Nothing. No, I'll tell you, I can tell something wrong. Nothing. Yeah, I got to drag it out of you. And I, what am I doing? I'm searching for what's really going on up here. Because I don't want any thought that is a lie from Satan taking root up here and beginning to grow and plant a seed and get to that point where it's a stronghold in their life. Because Satan will lie to them, whisper to them every chance he gets. And it doesn't matter how vigilant you are, it's going to happen. But as a parent, you can come in early and you can go, no, that's not of God. Where, where did you come up with that? Let's, no, let's talk about that from God's word. So we take every thought captive. We have to get really good at this as Christians as starting to realize and, and identify thoughts need to be granted entrance. Thoughts need to be granted admittance and nothing gets into your mind without first being taken captive and checked. 
Does this line up with the word of God? I hear all the world right now talking about these big issues, these big social. And before you make up your mind what side you're on, how about we take it captive and hold it in the light of God's word first? You got everything about abortion going on right now. You got transgender. You got, you got all kinds of sexuality things. And I, I, I find so many Christians that make up their mind on these issues apart from God's word. Makes no sense. It's not about what political party you're part of. You, you got an identity that's higher than that. Okay, you've got, to be, you've got to be able to have an identity that's above that. And you take that thought captive and you examine it by the word of God. And you say, does this line up with scripture? And if not, then I'm booting that out and I'm keeping my mind thinking correctly on this issue. So on this issue of identity, who are you? 1 Peter 2.9. What I'm giving you now are scriptures that you need to meditate on to keep your identity in the right direction. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write these down. You don't have to write the whole scripture. Just write down the reference so you'll have it. And you can write these out and look at it uh, because you're going to need these. This is not, now we're entering into the part of the sermon that there's a little bit of homework. Okay, It's not just passive listening this morning. I feel like I got to tell you that because, you know, you come and you just listen passively. But this, what I'm giving you now is a tool that you can use and should be using on a regular basis. So 1 Peter 2, 9, listen to this. It's all about identity. Look at what he says. You are a chosen race. Peter says this. This is amazing that Peter would even say this because Peter was a Jew But he's now including the whole body of Christ in this. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of you know that would help your identity when you're questioning who you are, what your purpose is, what your value is to say, hold on a second, 1 Peter 2.9 tells me I'm a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people that are God's own possession. I was called out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many of that would change the way you live if that was one of the four forefront thoughts of your life every day? Galatians 3.26 For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look, when I'm walking around in my day and I'm tempted to act a certain way, say a a certain thing, go down a certain track, this scripture, if I've been meditating on this scripture, I can pull it out at any second and go, wait, I'm not doing that because I'm God's workmanship that was created in Christ Jesus for good works, not evil works. I was created for good works, which God prepared beforehand, meaning before I was even born, that I would walk in these things, and I would walk as a son of God. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. These are all identity. These all have to do with your identity. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, I'm blood-bought. Blood-bought. My, my life is not even my own because I've been crucified with Christ. 
and the life I'm now living, I live according to that truth. How about this one? Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I mean, I've talked to people that they know the history of how they came into this world. And they go, well, I was just an accident. My parents, I was just a result of a, of a one-night stand. Or I, my parents didn't even want another child. I'm just an accident. That's not what the Word of God says. You have an identity issue. You need to accept the, what the Word of God tells you your identity. He says, no, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. This ought to inform our thoughts on abortion as well, by the way. Genesis 127. So God created man in his own image. Wow. Boy, that's, that's really the only one we need right there. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. No, there's not 35 genders. I'm not getting off on that, okay? Male and female, he created them. Everything else is a lie. Everything else is a lie. And if you've thought any different on it, it's because your mind has been renewed by the, the things of this world. 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. What does that tell me? No, I can overcome. I can overcome. I can do it. I can live holy. I can live right. I can, even though this world is sick and perverted and, and going in the wrong direction and it's dark. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I can, I can raise a family in 2023. I can stay married. I can have kids that love God. See, all of that comes out of this. So every time those types of thoughts come, you go, wait a minute. No, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And that is the highest truth in my life. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and then gave us the ministry of reconciling others. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He didn't, you know, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. See, this is the church. This is the message of the church, is the message of be reconciled to God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's identity. Who are you? I'm an ambassador for Christ. I work for God. <laughs> I have an assignment from God. And it doesn't matter what your real occupation is. We're all, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's why we're here on this earth. I work for God to reconcile people to him. God making his appeal through us. How important is our job? God, God doesn't show up in the clouds with a, with a megaphone, you know, shouting at people. He makes his appeal through us. If we're quiet, God is quiet. If we're loud, God is loud because he's making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, I gave you about eight scriptures or so there. Can you imagine what would happen if you wrote those out and you begin to meditate those and you begin to read those each day like a medicine? And there are many others. 
But if, if you took that and you just read those, how many of you know your mind would begin to change as how you see yourself and how you see God and how you see your identity in this world? And out of that will flow correct behaviors. So many times we get this backwards. All we focus on is behavior. This is a parenting thing too that we need. It needs to affect our parenting too. So many times we want to change people's behavior. We want to say, stop doing this. Start doing this. But see, we really need to back up and understand there is, there is an identity that's driving that. And until we change the identity and we change the thoughts and correct that, the behaviors will never be in the proper line. I mean, yeah, you can scare somebody into acting right, but that doesn't usually last. As soon as, as, soon as you remove the fear factor, whatever it is that was threatening them, they'll just go back to doing what they were doing. But what we want to change in our children and in ourselves is, no, we want to change your identity. We want you to see this isn't who you are and this isn't how you act because that's not who you are. It's not your identity. You don't act like this because that's not who you are. And when you act like this, you're acting, as, you're acting according to someone that's, that's not your character and that's not your identity. So now what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to look at different, today we looked at identity, but over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some common things that Christians need to regularly renew their mind on. Today was identity. So I want you to come prepared to take notes and write down these scriptures because each week I'm going to give you some scriptures that you can write down and then meditate on for that week and kind of have those in your back pocket when you need to, if it's an issue you're struggling with, you'll be able to pull those out and receive it. And I do say take it like medicine because the Word of God indicates from multiple scriptures that the Word is like a medicine. And if your doctor gave you some medicine to take to, to heal an area of your body, and he said, you need to take this for 15 days, twice a day, you don't just take it once and then don't take it the next day. I mean, some of you do, unless your wife stays on you and, you know, but... You're supposed to do it as prescribed, and it, over time it has an effect. You're not going to just read these one time. It's like a medicine. You've got to take it, and you will notice the change over time. It's not instant, but take it like you would a medicine, and watch how God begins to change your perspective and bring healing in these areas. Amen. 